previously on the Dave and Steve show. I'm an associate uh, garbage man. <laughs> Certainly not a professor or anyone yeah. smart. Yeah. And you guys can hate on me if you want. You can send your shitty emails if you want or whatever you want to do. We would try to just and, uh, limit the poo poo and pee pee. I think I remember that too. <laughs> we, we, yeah. we we cut that down by fifteen percent. Someone is screwing with us, seeing how much they can poke us. They're not sure what I will die of, and so far they are unclear, like what I will eventually die of, which is awesome. It's not anxiety or panic. I, I yeah, you just had to poop. Yeah, I mean that was I just had one in the chamber yeah. and it went, yeah. it went off. While I was cleaning it. Boom. Oh, we're going to do a show about all this other stuff. We're not even, we got a great big convoy, like Steve would say. <laughs> I, so I have a completely, so I, of course I have a different take on, on it. Um, I, <clears throat> um, I understand that, I mean, no, no, it's too deep. Um, no, I'm not, I'm not too deep. I'm saying that the, that the, the topic is just, it's too deep. <laughs> Show number 27 of the Dave and Steve Show. I am Dave, sitting right alongside me. I'm here 27 miles away. Is Steve? <laughs> and from parts unknown, the lovely and buxom Tracy. There's nothing like just drops to make you sound like just a complete jackass. It really is true. Off and running on show number 27 of the Dave and Steve Show. When I grabbed that one, that last one that played there, it reminded me that I, how much I love Bob Newhart. Because that is that is a pure Bob Newhart style delivery, unintentionally so. But it was awesome. I, I I can do a decent Bob Newhart delivery when I want to and make it and and time it right. That is just straight up Steve right there. That yeah. is me fumbling through. You know, recording late at night. All my medicine has worn off. I am not articulate. So, so what, sorry. While I while I normally like to start the show on a big upswing, uh, right at the top, because when I so typically the way that this works is as you guys might expect if you're listening at home, we log on to a a multi camera system of some kind. It doesn't matter which one it is, but we can see the three of us. Uh, we all record the show this way. This way we can see facial reactions and all that kind of stuff from each other. And I logged on, and Steve and Tracy were already on, and they were watching the jump video by van halen and it, I, i'm i i shouldn't say i'm glad but i'm i'm glad you guys reminded me because otherwise i would have completely forgotten that because it happened a few days ago but eddie van halen passed away and it's something that i probably wouldn't have touched on on the show were it not for the fact that you guys were playing that and i don't know we didn't even talk about why you were playing the jump video tracy is that why were you guys just on the subject it was panama. well I, I was just looking uh, oh was it panama i thought it was jump oh okay it was no panama. it was yeah, it was Panama. Yeah. So no, I was just uh, now that he's gone, I can actually more openly talk about my crush on Valerie Bertinelli. Right. When they were married. Oh, God, yeah. he would he would find out who said they had a crush on Valerie Bertinelli and he'd just show up in the middle of the night and beat you with a sock full of soap. Yeah. 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 There is a there's a weird thing, too, because 
so uh, for everybody, I, I listen, I think most people know, unless you're of a certain age where you're just too young to really know Van Halen. Van Halen, obviously, they had three singers, but they really had two singers. They had David Lee Roth to begin with. They had Sammy Hagar. Now, if you put David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar against each other, could not be two more opposite personalities. When you, any interview, any, any conversation you've seen with Sammy Hagar seems like a very laid back dude, always smiling, always friends with everybody. You can tell when somebody has lots of friends in whatever job industry they're in because everybody's always very excited to see them. Hey, it's Sammy and the, the big hugs and all that. The opposite end of the spectrum is David Lee Roth. From yeah, what I can gather. Yeah, he's more like a real estate salesman no, no, who also sings. Correct. He's, he's. David Lee Roth is, in hindsight, like when I was a 12, 13-year-old kid, could not have been a cooler person in the world. I thought, holy shit, look at the guy doing the split kicks and all that kind of stuff and wearing the spandex. That was pretty awesome. Now I realize he's he was really just kind of vaudevillian. Like he he was big into the shtick and the and the da 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 da. -da. I can't do it, but you know what I mean. Yeah, that's yeah, good. He, he was awesome a muppet next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he was basically a muppet. Right, and so yeah. yeah. And so what what always blew me away about Eddie, short of his amazing guitar playing, is that he didn't get along with either of those guys. He didn't get along with David Lee Roth and eventually kicked him out of the band. He didn't get along with Sammy Hagar. So who do you get along with at that point? And the answer, I guess, was just his brother. Because there's... Gary, yeah. It was Gary Sharon. <laughs> yeah, that's, right? That's right? It, it's, well, I mean, there's cool guys. I mean, it's one thing, but I think... Uh, artists tend to have a kind of a egocentrical and uh, uh, ego, you know, just kind of an emotional side to them that makes them hard to be with uh, in general. They're sensitive a, a little bit, which, which makes their lives colorful, makes their art wonderful. It colors our lives, but it doesn't make them fully functional people. So when you're in a band that's named for two brothers yeah, yeah. and your band is also basically a corporation, um, it's hard to know like how long how long can relationships last in that environment yeah and until you have a son that you can teach to play bass <laughs> exactly <Right. laughs> yeah no i and know then, this then looks like a goes. bottle of jack daniels but it's really a bass guitar all right so yeah. we're we're going to and maybe this will become a segment i don't know but we're going to start off tonight with dave's piece of trivia and see if either of you can answer this okay gene simmons at a certain point was attempting to manage the band van halen now, this was before they were called Van Halen. They were just a band. Gene picked up on them, liked what he saw, and suggested that they call themselves what? I don't have this. Tracy, anything? Uh, Say mayonnaise. Uh, call it, yourselves it, mayonnaise. It might as well have been. I'm, I'm not sure. He wanted to, he told... Eddie Van Halen, he should name the band Daddy Long Legs. Oh. Oh. Uh, oh, because of the long legs in, in the band. That's right. Because of their notoriously long legs. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. So this right. is this is Gene Simmons. I mean, now we're going to dive into Kiss for a second here, but he's a prime example of you have the one great idea in your life, and if you choose so, you can take that all the way to the promised land. Gene had the one good idea of, of a band in makeup called Kiss, and every other idea he's ever had since then has been absolutely terrible. So good on him for making good on Kiss. All right, we're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> this new segment, Dave's, 
Dave's trivia in the beginning, it's one question and yeah. screw you both. Yeah. You're never going to get it right. No, I just meant like a, a weekly trivia question that I'd ask you guys. But uh, yeah, we, can, we can call the segment Dave gets pissed off at his own segment and cuts it early. Uh, so <laughs> I, I told you guys, so if you're listening to this and you always listen to the Dave and Steve show, you know that we normally post our shows on Tuesday. This week you're listening to this, it's going to be posted on a Friday. And the reason for that, I, I think, was actually Steve who said, like, hey, does any other night work for you guys for recording? We were all open to Thursday, so it just worked out. We're shifting the show. So from now on, we're going to be posting the show on Fridays is when you'll be able to listen to it. It was a blessing this week because Saturday I was just in my office. I was just cleaning things up. Uh, no, I shouldn't even say I was cleaning. I know what I was doing. I was breaking down boxes. <clears throat> I got a bookshelf. I put the bookshelf together, just some horrible Ikea type thing. And I had this big box left over. So I'm breaking the box down and I'm bent over breaking this box down and, you know, taking it apart and everything. Literally one of those things where I was not lifting anything heavy. I wasn't doing anything overly strenuous. I shifted just right and was crippled. I immediately fell to the floor, holding my back in pain. No idea what caused it other than I shifted a little weird. And then from that point on, from Saturday, basically through until even yesterday, it was giving me fits. Today, it is sore, but it's very manageable. I I couldn't, I mean, I was doing the thing where I would get out of bed in the morning and I would have a hard time even walking. It took me forever yeah. to even stand up just to get to the door. And the door was a godsend because I literally would put my weight on the doorknob to hold myself up. It was it was so bad. And I haven't had anything like this in a long time. Well, the only thing I can I can aside from, you know, bending over to break down a box or whatever it was, it, we we had kind of a cold snap. Right. I mean, we've had what I would call a, a distinct change in weather of late. And that in the past has affected is if we get a really bad cold snap that will cause my back to have issues. The only thing I can think of now outside of that, it's just me getting old. So uh, first point, um, every time you said you were breaking down a box, I seriously thought you were going to say I was break dancing. I was breaking. I was just I was just in my office breaking like I do listening yeah. to a little Herbie yeah. Hancock rocket right. and right. go into town. I, I because you said it like four times. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, God, it's break dancing. Uh, the second point would be, yeah, you're, you're getting old. And well, um, let me finish. My plan was to break the box down and flatten it so that I could have the cardboard to do my back spins on to do oh, the break. Yeah. But I yes. never, I never yeah. got there. You were a decent break dancer, Dave. No, you really were. No, you, I, I watched you do a couple of the, you had your specialties, right? You, <laughs> yeah. You, flailing you, like a white kid. Like that was my specialty. <laughs> Your specialty—you—you you dressed the part. I did. Like the, yeah. the time you said, "Hey, let's scoop poop in the uh, parade." What we can do is we can go as break dancers, and I have a—I have a picture of you and I dressed up like break dancers, um, scooping manure. Because that's in the a middle of the street. That's a real thing. Like that. How small town does it get that you have kids? Yeah. Dressed up in costumes, walking behind animals and scooping their shit up off the ground on the main street of the town you live in. Ro rodeo clown is what I would expect, really, is what I'm kind of expecting. Breakdancers, that's 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 a new and that's, one. And that's why we did it. They weren't expecting it. And I think it was a, I think it was a hit. <laughs> we swerved um, them. 
I have several pictures of it. And I remember um, the guy that was in charge of hiring all the kids to do it at the end. Um, he was trying to find somebody to clean up the rest of it. And he gave us extra money to do the end. And it was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, this is what working is. I'm in. Let's make this happen. Just so we're clear, and, uh, next week's drop is he gave us money to do the end. <laughs> just just so we're clear. So, <clears throat> so the back has been giving me all kinds of fits. If you guys were in my home office with me right now, your eyes would be watering, watering from the amount of icy hot I have on my back right now. Like it is just slathered in the stuff and burning like crazy. And icy hot's always the same thing. Like anytime I, I put it on, it does what it's supposed to, which is it, it warms the area, but it also gets, it makes me sweat. Like it is, it raises my body temperature, I think. And so the whole thing, I don't know. It's just, my back is stupid. I hate it. And uh, so I'm glad we were able to shift it to Thursday, but it's not just this week. Expect the show now every Friday from now on. Yeah, you don't want to scratch yourself after having applied that. So, no. you know, you definitely don't want that uh, to, to stray from your back. And I, I want to apologize because I think it was the first episode of the uh, when we came back as the Dave and Steve uh, with Tracy show. Um, That's not where the name I, of the show. That is not the name yeah. of the show. I don't, I don't know. I don't even, I don't know anything right now, but, um, but that first episode, I think I burned the bridges with the blue emu people. So <laughs> right. had I not done that, you could, you could be sitting pretty on a big tub of blue emu oil. And... Right out of the gate. You did. That was uh that was amazing that you just picked them as a target and hit so I, hard. Right? Super bold. And you know, I, I, I pride myself on not burning a lot of bridges. I burn a few here and there, but uh, but that one I burned right to the, the ground. And, I, and I'm sorry, Dave. So I'm let's, sorry. you guys are about to see why I make the big bucks here because I'm the king of segues. We're going to go from burning backs and burning bridges right into burning mouths. I wanted to ask you guys <laughs> if there, see what I did there? I wanted to right. ask you guys. So they have this thing now, and it listen, it's already been done a little bit to death. But I saw it at the local grocery store tonight when I was getting groceries. They had that one chip challenge, the chip that comes in the coffin. It's super incredibly hot. Would either of you be willing to try that on the air, on the show? Because I would not. It's not a thing I'm going to do. Would either of you take the one chip challenge for what is supposed to be the spiciest chip ever created? I, I don't know. I'd have to, can I do a little research on it? Yeah, I'm 50, you, 50 Yeah, if you look up one chip challenge, you'll see 20,000 YouTube videos of people crying while they eat this chip. But I was just, okay, I this, saw this, it. Has be, this has missed me. I've uh, This is a piece of pop culture that is definitely in my blind spot. Yeah, I saw it in the aisle tonight and it reminded me. Steve, how about you? No, no. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. <laughs> because these things are really dumb. And, and it's just like the Tide Pod challenge. Would you eat? No, no, I wouldn't because it's not, it's not for pleasure. I wouldn't do that. I would. Now, if you said this is supposed to be the most delicious hostess cake they've ever created, would you try that on the air? Oh, I would do that. I would ooh and ah, and I would, I, I would totally, but why would I subject myself to pain and, 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 and hardship? Every, our listeners, li, sorry, listener, um, already has to deal with listening to me whine and complain all the time. So why would they want me to do it with a chip in my mouth? I mean, how obnoxious is that anyway? You're eating chips on the air. I will go get a bunch of, of, um, of nacho chips and just sit here and 
eat up during the show and see how how good that how good that turns out all right well tracy it's it's on you then if you decide you want to do it uh we'll do it next week on the show if not i totally understand uh from what i do understand though uh make sure that you have baby wipes or some kind of hand cleaning <laughs> device because apparently if you touch the chip and then touch your eye your eye will basically shrivel up and and implode in your head I will say basically anything that requires baby to wipes is usually not a good thing. That's right. Right. That's a rule of thumb to live by for sure. You're going to need some baby wipes. Yeah. I'm out. I'm out. out. That's all I needed here. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tracy, what'd you do last week? I've been in a uh, virtual conference. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't sure what this would be like. So we, Obviously, that when we talk about getting together for like industry conferences, uh, that's very difficult to do. And the con any any industry that is built around people being together right now is just taking a beating. Yep. And so my company uh, twice a year puts on, um, uh, I think, large state conferences. And so they are. I, I work in in the K twelve education kind of stuff. I don't get into it, but basically, uh, I. I have to present and, and go to these conferences. And so uh, the interesting thing about this is that we decided to put put it on and we were going to use a platform that enabled us to do it virtually. And so we started it off with our smaller conference. So we had about, about 500 attendees that were just going to come and basically uh, attend breakout sessions and general sessions in a way where they were basically doing it from their home. Right. And uh, it was very difficult to know exactly how it go, what kind of connection there was uh, there, or there would be w- with people. And uh, what I was pleasantly surprised was that with uh, a lot of ingenuity and using um, a lot of pre-recorded um, general sessions and things like that, it was uh, actually uh, really, really good. People really liked it. And uh, it gave me something to do. And I was just happy that I didn't have to dress up for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I was curious. I thought maybe you were going to say it was really dry and even worse than normal. And what I was going to say is even because, Steve, I know you have as well. I have been to some of those like conferences. Some of those we're in a giant room in a hotel somewhere and we're eating not so great food and we're listening to these presenters and it's all day long. And yet when, when you are at one of those things, no matter what it's for, there's always a kind of energy in the room because there's just a lot of people gathered together. There's a lot of talking there's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of, and so, and you're somewhere else. And so I was just curious as far as to relate this, but again, both of my kids are still doing the remote learning they desperately want to go back to school. Even though they both hated being at school, the trade-off is that it's so much more boring at home. It's so much more boring sitting in a chair, staring at a webcam while people stare back at you versus at least they had those moments of walking between classes and joking around with their friends and all that kind of stuff. And the conference is very similar. Like you get, wow, I get choked up talking about conferences, let me tell you. You you get those moments of in between where you're you're having fun or you see somebody that you saw every conference for the last five years and you get to see him again and all that kind of stuff. So I was curious if this would have been a better experience or a worse experience, but it sounds like it's equal, but there were trade-offs. Yeah, there were definitely trade-offs. And my, my company uh, 
really does a really good job of they they partner with a company that uh does like professional event planning so they always end up being kind of like part game show part you right. know right it, it, uh part conference and so uh, a lot of breakout sessions so it's a lot of people that work in the education industry so they're they, they the whole stand and deliver kind of thing is something they're already used to and remote training is something they're already used to as well so when you did it exclusively we had we had um coffee sponsors that sent people based on to their email that they registered with like coffee vouchers right you know try to do things to connect to them and things like that so it required a lot of different ways to do it there were some people that thought um hey maybe this is something that we could always do in some way um but uh uh, but anyway, I was pleasantly surprised by it and I was able to find uh, different ways to kind of connect with people. And it's one of those things where for me, it's it's bittersweet because it's a lot of work for me because I work at the company that's putting it on. And I'm supposed to be a subject matter expert there. So it's a lot of work actually getting, you know, my act together to be there. So, <laughs> your, your literal act. you know, yeah, so it's just a. Uh, so it's uh, I'm glad it's over with. Can though. I just say you explaining the conference has made Steve look completely dead inside? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think he understands. Well, I, you know, you were you were explaining that, and I was trying to think of all the conferences that I've been to, and I I had kind of a conferency type thing today that was just a one day event that normally is a two day thing where everybody comes and meets in one office from all over the country. Um, and I, I was really thinking about, you know, like, why the hell did we used to do that? You know, uh, and now it's great. Like it, like today's session was really, really good. And I, and I understand that, but I do, uh, now that Dave mentions it, I'm like, you know, I really did enjoy getting to see these people, you know, you know, four times a year and hanging out with them and doing little team building exercises and things It it really kind of meant something. Plus, um, other companies I've. Uh, I've been able to travel all around the, the country and see cities I would otherwise not be able to get to see. You know, yep. we we would try it in, you know, you know, Baltimore or Maryland or we'd go to Tampa or, you know, wherever the hell else. And and it was it was fun to see other cities and go out and meet the people. Steve, I love meeting the people. Steve rented a Camaro in Tampa and oh cruised. My God. And cruised. It, actually, it was that in Tampa, it was the, um, the challenger. Oh, that's I, right. That's right. That's right. And that was great. I had a Camaro in Atlanta and in Miami, they gave me a, um, they gave me a Mustang, but I had this whole shtick where I would like try to get these upgrades for free. And I totally would every time it was, it was great. And I, I, I very much encourage everybody to do the Steve damn uh, method of uh, car rental. Uh, no, no, no. The the trick is just decide totally, totally screw this whole episode up. Um, the trick is to wait um, in front of your car rental place that you have to go check in. Wait behind whoever is going to be the biggest jerk. Like okay. the person that's going to be, it, just pick them out. And they're going to complain and they're the ones that look, you know, super backed up and upset and let them go up there and just boil over 
and the longer they do, the better, the more frustrated they make the, the person at the counter, the better. And then they leave and then you walk up and you give that counter person the best day of their life. You are just the nicest person to them. So appreciative, excited to be in their town. Hey, what's your favorite place to eat? You know, all that stuff. Just be nice and kind and holy cow. You would never believe how, how much, what that right. unlocks because they just, they're, they're like, oh my right. God, thank what's God. The... I don't have to deal with another one of those guys. I, I took some notes there. So be nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's really? the catch, though? Uh, it's it's there's there's no catch. I mean, you're you just be a normally nice person. But the the contrast between you know dealing with an absolute troll and then just being a kind, empathetic person okay, I'm uh, will this down. will completely open doors. You you people. you have got to put this in a book, and I'm going to give you a title. We can workshop this. Nice in all large capital letters. Nice to meet you by Steve. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll write the forward. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you will. You totally will. I can't, I can't tell you guys. I I really can't. I've never made, I don't want to say a play for it because that makes it sound like I, I'm disparaging trying to work an upgrade or anything like that. I, I, I'm, totally envious of people who can do that and are warm enough or, or know the, the trick to get that done. I can't think of a time where I've actually tried for an upgrade. I can also tell you I've never gotten any kind of upgrade, whether it be to a hotel room, a flight, whatever it might be, unless it was a random thing of like, you know, I'm getting on a, a Delta airplane and they're just like, uh, passenger johnson please come to the front and i i haven't said anything to get the upgrade i just they had an open seat and they put me in it so i'm curious steve i feel like you go through life getting upgrades and i take that in the spirit in which it's intended i don't mean that in a bad way i mean i feel like you get a you're you're very personable you can talk to people you make them laugh you get upgrades tracy do you get a lot do you do work the upgrade system uh, it depends uh, on what I want. I mean, uh, mostly I what I what I want, what I value the most is just ease and path of least resistance. That's what I value the most. So uh, my policy is always to be as kind as possible. But the best thing is just to process me quickly. Exactly. And so so I don't like my wife will say, oh, I have coupons for that. And I'm like, nope, they'll slow me down. I don't even know because the expiration date. They'll ask me, you know, did you, was this in the, I don't know. I don't want this. Throw it in the garbage right now. And please just finish this. So I never have to see you again, please. I, and thank I, you. I always say it's not worth my time. That's how I get my wife to throw stuff away. I just say, it's not worth my time. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I don't mean it's not worth my time. I mean, it's not worth my the the internal stress it provides me of needing calories to, on that yeah, yeah exactly and so when i say it's not worth my time it's not like i'm above it or anything i just i i, I don't want to deal oh, with that i am above it that's i wasn't i didn't <laughs> right? get that across i am yeah. actually yes steve I, steve you get a lot of upgrades i you know i i do and i do i mean uh, sometimes i angle for them sometimes i don't sometimes it just happens when I, when I am apparently different than every other human being on the planet. Uh, when, so, 
there was a time I, I used to fly back and forth uh, to a certain state in the middle of the country. And um, Minnesota. Yes, uh, that's the one. Yeah, what? Uh, where was it? I, where would this be? I, I, I forget. It was like a it was like a three hour trip. Anyway, I used to fly uh, back and forth a lot, um, and I w- I could choose my seat, and I would always have you know like an aisle seat where I had extra room or whatever, um, and I, I I understood how to how to do that. Well, there was one particular flight that was full, and uh, it turned out I was seated next to a child and there was a mother with another child on her lap that was the mother and she was really wanting to sit next to um her child that was right next to me and she had the middle seat and um they asked the person next at the window if they would want to change seats just thinking that there's no way the guy with the aisle seat's going to want to change seats maybe the guy with the and um that person said no, just like looked right up at her and said no, <laughs> like like you are not taking the seat from me. I don't I don't care if this mother's separated from her child. The seat is important to me for three hours, and and that did not sit well with me. Yeah. And, but are you mad at that guy or are you jealous of that guy? I'm I'm bothered that that level. So jealous. So, I got it. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. That's exactly right. I just, I, I just picture Steve just sliding in there and going, Steve, damn, nice to meet you. <laughs> no, it's nothing like that. So I, I, I'm sitting in the chair and, and um, the flight attendant is all right. Okay. Strike one. Now this guy is definitely not going to do it and said, Hey, would you mind? Um, there's a, there's a mother up here that would like to sit. And I'm like, Absolutely. No problem. I, and so I, I, I had my stuff. I grabbed it and I got out of the way. I, you know, helped her into my seat. And then I took the middle seat, um, you know, which is not the desirable seat. But as soon as I sat down in that seat and um, and got comfortable, um, both the flight attendants came over and they looked at me like I was some kind of a unicorn. <laughs> and I, I, and I, I said, oh, it's, everything's fine. And, and they're like, you get whatever you want. You want some drinks? We'll bring you some drinks. And I'm like, well, I, I, uh, I don't really drink. And they're like, whatever food you want, you want movies, you want anything, we'll bring it to. I'm like, why? <laughs> and they're like, nobody ever gives up their seat yeah, ever yeah. for any reason. And wow. so they, they loved me from that. And I would have those same flight attendants from time to time. And they would be like, Hey, why don't you come over here? You want something? It was great. But just for look, it's a three hour ride. Right. Um, and I, I, there's a comedian that used to talk about, um, you know, the pain of air travel, but it's, you're moving from, you know, 2000 miles away and you're, you're getting to where you need to go. And in, in a few hours, you're, it's not that you're going big to the deal. best place on earth, Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is that where it was? <laughs> yeah. okay. uh, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, totally I, forgot about I, I was fortunate enough with, uh, with, with my where I work now and what I have to do, I if I have to travel overseas, I get I have I'm afforded the ability of flying business class, and so business class on international flights they have beds that literally lay flat and you're in these weird little pods and all that kind of stuff. It just depends on the age of the plane and all that stuff. But I was on one flight once where and in business class you don't realize because <clears throat> I'm a I'm I'm a schmuck. I I don't take anything for granted. At least I don't think that I do. So I'm very appreciative of 
being on being in business class, being able to fly that way, all that kind of stuff. And there are elitist dickheads of all shapes and sizes that fly in business class, especially on international flights that are rude and obnoxious and just and there was a guy who got on the plane we always traveled in groups for what i do and so my buddy clint and i were on this flight and this guy got on and steve it's like what you described at the car rental place you could tell the moment these people have an aura about them where you could tell he wanted to be pissed off right from the beginning he went and sat down in his seat, his assigned seat. He said he didn't like it because it was too close to the lavatory, even though it was probably four rows away from the... It wasn't anywhere close where it would have mattered. He said it was going to affect his sleeping patterns. He complained about just about everything. They asked him, you know, when he sat down, well, can we, you know, they're trying to be nice. And here's a guy who's worked up a little bit. Would you like some champagne? Would you like a beer? Would you like anything like that? He said, I don't want any of that. I just want you guys to get me a better seat. They said, well, the flight's full. We can't really do that for you. So it was one of those very karma moments where obviously when you're sitting there waiting to take off and all that kind of stuff, they want seats in the upright position, all that kind of stuff. So this flight is packed. This guy doesn't get to change anywhere. Flight takes off. We hit our cruising altitude. Everybody can relax. You start to see seats go back, like fold all the way back. And now you can see this guy fidgeting with his controls and you can see he's clicking on them, but nothing's happening. And he's pushing back on his chair back a little bit and nothing's happening. He's rocking. It's like a John Candy in that car. Correct. He's, he's, getting, he's getting more and more agitated. That guy spent eight hours sitting completely upright, not even a slight incline. He was in a broken chair. They apologized to him profusely, said they would get him as much alcohol as he could drink, just like they did with you, Steve. But this guy had to sit completely, I mean, stiff as a board, back straight, upright for an eight-hour flight while the rest of us snoozed around him laying completely flat. And it was the most glorious thing because of all the people that could have happened to it happened to that dickhead who got on that plane. I probably would have used the lavatory with the door open. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Oh. That's, yeah. and, and the thing is, it's, I mean, it's great. If you're angling for a, um, if you're angling for an upgrade, great. But the other, th the other part of it though, is like, th there's a lot of negative energy just hanging in the air after something like that happens. Yeah. And if you walk up, look, you both have to do this. It's not awesome for either one of you. Make it as nice as possible. Just yep. just get through it in the nicest way. Just be a human right. and and give e give each other some respect. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm taking notes. <laughs> good. This is good stuff. <laughs> but that's I mean, it's a win-win. Right. If, right. if you don't get any kind of an upgrade, that's fine because you just had an experience with a person that was yep. great. You got through it as quickly as possible uh, and and a little less stress for you, a little less stress for them. Steve's it's, second it's book, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, Find Out What It Means to Me by Steve Dan. <laughs> Find out what it means to you. Uh, OK, I, um, hang on. I, I flew to Dubai. Well, no, you hang with, on. Uh, um, no, you hang on. My right. name's I'll hang not, on. not barely in the show, um, <laughs> uh, but uh it's time the, for commercial. Uh, I flew to Dubai with uh, about, uh, I was sitting next to about eight uh, women that were in their mid 20s that were, they all worked for a large Seattle company and they 
they had never traveled internationally before. So where they were, drink- they were drinking a lot. They were really loud and yep. they were, so I'm they're taking a lot of pictures. I feel like I'm at a bachelorette party. But, and so basically yeah. there's a lot of pictures of me, like random <laughs> bearded guy number one. Just, yeah, just, like, just standing there, you know, like, and they're drunk and they're telling me about their jobs and everything. And they're, oh, they're so important. And so, you know, that they're, everything's that they're doing is so important. Yeah. It's so big. It's just it's so great. And so they're like, so what are you doing? And so I, I didn't want to tell them anything because I didn't want to talk to them. The only way I could entertain myself is I told them I was a firefighter and that I was going to a big firefighter convention <laughs> in Dubai. In Dubai. Yeah. And so they were all like fascinated <laughs> by this. And I thought, oh, oh, crap. Now they're interested and I have to make up things. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what hotel is the firefighter convention is? Because if I if I understand that particular demographic, firefighters are desirable yeah. as mate. <laughs> so, yeah. I have they have they have calendars they have all kinds of time to work out and get that that (laughs) v that that v shape in their mouth I've seen that in Dave's drawings yeah that v freaks me out I don't I don't like that that's not okay I have one more I have one more travel story one more airplane story and I got to be careful about how I share this story because the person the story's about I don't think they would like this being shared Uh, the the part that I will reveal is that the person was a female. This person had never, and this is going to be important. You'll see why. Um, this person had never flown before uh, outside of the states, and so she was concerned that she would get airsick. And she had never; she'd only been on short flights. She didn't know. She was really worried about it. Nervous person in general, anyway. So she she basically, when she arrived, she took a separate flight from the rest of the group of ours. She came a bit later in this business trip that we had to take. So she tells this story the day she. She comes in and sits down in the conference room with us. So she's taking Dramamine. She gets on the plane and she sits down and she's such a nervous person. She starts to get a little more nervous. And in her head, she starts to think, I'm feeling a little nauseous. She said, in hindsight, it was probably just my nerves. So she takes another Dramamine. So now Mm -hmm. she has two that she has taken. Does not know that there can be adverse interactions with alcohol. Mm-hmm. So she, it, she again, we fly, or we used to when we would do this, we would fly business class. And on the British Airway business class, they have this weird little plastic divider between you and the person next to you. And when it's time to eat or anything like that, the the flight attendants come by and they put the plastic divider down. You can see who's next to you. When it it comes to sleepy time, they pull it back up so you have a little bit of privacy. So they put the, the plastic divider down for takeoff and she notices that she has this, what she describes as this cute French guy next to her. So she's single, he's single, they start chatting back and forth a little bit, flight takes off. Now they're starting to drink a little bit. They're having a little bit of, you know, cocktails, whatever it is that's being served. She's she's drinking these. And she said, you know, it, you get a, a few hard alcohol drinks and you, you get tired. So she just went to sleep. So she wakes up mid-flight, about two to three hours into the flight, and she knows immediately that she's going to be sick. Now she is seated against the window. He is seated next to the aisle, and in business class, there's only two chairs. And when you lay down flat, it's the most horrible design, whatever type of plane this is, you have to step over the person's legs to get out if you're in the window. You sit up, and then you step over their legs if they're laying flat to sleep. And you, so she's now, she knows she's going to vomit. She knows it's going to be bad. So she's trying to climb over this cute French guy without waking him up. 
She gets over him. She takes two steps down the aisle and she explodes in the aisle. She barfs all over in the aisle. She is drunk because she's had these, she slammed these cocktails. She's freaking out. So she tries to run to get to the bathroom because it's going to happen again. She hits the vomit. She slips. Her feet come out from under her and she slams down on her back in her own vomit puddle in the aisle of the airplane. She gets up, she scrambles, she gets into the bathroom, she slams the door. She said, now I'm in there, and I can see myself clearly in the mirror. I've got puke in my hair. It's matted all over me. It's stuck to my face. And she said, I am just, I'm in a panic, because I don't, like, what do you do in this situation? She's like, I'm, I'm sober enough to know how drunk I am. I'm covered in puke. She said, so I'm, I'm just in there, and I'm trying to, like, wipe it out with, with paper towels. I'm trying to pull things out of my hair. Now the flight attendants are, ma'am ma'am uh are you okay in there you know we we know you've you've got some problems you know do you do you need anything is everything okay she said that goes on for a little while and then it becomes ma'am you need to come out like it's time you have to come out of there you know we can help you out but you need and she said you know she comes out and they've of course got effectively like a hazmat tent over the area where she threw up and they're trying to clean it as best they can She's still got all this stuff matted in her hair and everything. The stewardess, uh, uh, sorry, I didn't mean stewardess, flight attendant, gives her a couple of napkins or whatever to try and clean up as best she can. She goes back. She sits down in her seat. She tries her best to compose herself. She said, you know, now I'm, I'm very much awake. I can't even go to sleep in the state that I'm in. She she flies the remainder of the six hours or whatever's left, five hours. And <laughs> she's sitting in her seat, mortified, and she sees the time has come. They're now approaching for landing. So the, the French guy wakes up and raises up in his seat. He brings his seat back to its normal position and looks over at her because now the divider's down. And she has hair matted to her face. She said, I'm, I guarantee there were chunks in my hair. She said, so this guy went to sleep with this girl next to him who we were getting along great. And he really thought, oh, maybe she's cute. And maybe we can hook up. While make we're out. In, we're going to make out place. when I wake up. <laughs> and well, she said. He, he is French. It's 50-50 uh, on she, this one. <laughs> she said, this is what he woke up to. She said, I almost left my bag at the turn. Like I almost didn't wait for my bag to come through on the on the belt because I knew I would see him. I knew I had this stuff all over me. But that was her that was her first international flying experience and she wow. vomited and then fell in her own vomit in business class. Fantastic. That's wow. really terrible. I I feel bad for her, but I think in that situation you go to the bathroom, they knock on the door, ma'am, you just say, "I have decided to stay here <laughs> until the plane is empty." Yeah. Yeah. Um I will be safe and i understand this is my own that this is my own problem uh this is I, I i i take responsibility for my safety yeah just land the plane and then we will all forget this ever happened <laughs> yeah so so steve tracy threw up on a guy a french guy in a hertz rental car agency last week what did you do <laughs> <laughs> well we're um, seriously we're 42 minutes into the show and we're just getting to what steve did it's um it's interesting i was um i was on a uh podcast which was fun oh um, i didn't know this happened it it happened um the podcast is called the fluffer nutter um and it is it was the first episode um the two hosts are <laughs> british and they uh one of the gentlemen Show number one so, of the Fluffernutter podcast. 
<laughs> and the the guy's name is Steve, and then the other one's Nathan. So that was super confusing. Um, but uh, it was it was fun. It was a good time. Um, it was super um, fan centric of this book um, of this book series. It was a different experience than what the three of us do. Right. Um, they, right. Uh, first of all, those. Uh, those two guys were, of course, coming from the UK. So they're recording at like 10 at night and here is like 1.30 or something like that. So um, I, you know, I decide I'm going to do this. It's going to be fun. And it was. It was a good time. They're uh, they're good guys. They had kind of a, I mean, kind of like what we had. They had kind of a map of what they wanted to do and how they wanted the discussion to go. One of them uh, led it and ask the questions and we, we were able to do it. So we're about, we're, I don't know, 45 minutes into it. And I'm in the middle of, um, of talking. Shut and up. I, yeah. That's yeah. A, that's I actually, I, I'm in the middle of it. So that's, that's me talking for 90 minutes is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm in, I'm in this office, like I usually am. And there is a tapping on the window, like an obnoxious tapping on the window while I'm, you know, basically recording with these guys. And I'm like, what in the heck? So I figure somebody's out there trying to get my attention if it's a contractor, if it's my son trying to, you know, ask right. for gas for the whatever. And I I have to get up and walk over. And so I'm like totally, I'm totally not in the middle of my sentence. I'm just anymore. laughing at the I, maybe it's my son asking for gas for whatever. <laughs> yeah, like for many things he could need gas I, for. I, get, I just need some gas for a <laughs> that thing. kid is always a, asking me for gas he's a huffer um <laughs> so i get up and i go to the window and there's a bird like a uh just tapping at the window and and i i tap it at it and it just it gives me a dirty look it just looks up at me like yeah that's what that's what i'm doing this is like, how no, uh, you gotta poem, go. This is how Edgar Allan Poe's uh, "The Raven" yeah. uh, that went yeah. exactly. Well, this was, was the sparrow or something like whatever. Anyway, uh, those guys are like, "What's poem. going on here?" And I'm like, "I'm really sorry. This just happened here." But the the difference between uh, that podcast and this podcast is that professionalism. Uh, they uh, they heavily edit it, right? So well, we used any, to. Any pauses that are um, that are too long, they they just tighten that right up. And yep. so um, that was that was interesting, and it was strange hearing the playback of it because I'm like that this this is going a lot. It was in English. It was going a lot quicker yeah. than you know I thought it was, but um, you know it was a fun experience. Uh, when when we a, started this show, I used to I would do that exact same thing. Like if there was a because I would just look at the the little scribble line of the voice track. And if there was a gap of any kind, I would do the same thing. I would go in and splice Yeah, there was and... heavy editing. Yeah, and we used to, I don't know time. if you guys remember, which we we truly, for those of you listening, we don't do this anymore unless there's like a technical glitch or something like that. But there were, we would 10 times, a dozen times throughout the course of any show, someone would yell, stop the show. For some oh, yeah. odd reason, we we said something incorrectly, we flubbed the line, whatever it might have been. Like, and it would just be stumbling over a word or something like that, and we would yell, stop the show. I want to oh, do that again. Oh, good Lord. We would never get through I know, the show now. I know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, absolutely not. Right. But um, that, was a, that was a good time. Um, 
it was a, it was a, it was a different experience. They're good people. And I got to explain uh, what Columbus day was because that's, that's the name of the book is Columbus day. So can so being from the States, uh, Steve, can you tell us about Columbus day? So now I am representing yeah. um, the United States and Your telling the world for our whole nation about, Oh God. About the, and and uh, I don't think I did it justice. I, you know, I tried to, I tried to even it out, but, um, but it, it went okay. It was, it was a good time. I would have made up something about it. I definitely would yeah. have made up the whole holiday. Well, everything in the United States is much bigger. We celebrate our holidays. Yeah. And so yeah. obviously <laughs> it begins in the morning with a, a huge cake for breakfast. And yeah. uh, the <laughs> then middle of the day, yeah. a cake. Um, and then there's a, there's around what you would call tea time. We have, um, we have watermelon and wine. Is what we do. Watermelon and wine. Yeah. We just put those two together, all you know, all year long. But this is a special. They would have just been happy that you weren't talking about Lawrence, Kansas anymore. <laughs> they would have been really happy about that. But uh, but it was it was fun. The other thing I did was um, we recorded. Um, I recorded with uh, some friends of mine, and <laughs> I thought I was just putting a bunch of weird percussion uh, to this you know great song that one of these guys had written, but. I'll be darned if it didn't turn out really, really nice. So I'm really excited for that uh, song to be finished in the next, uh, at our pace, it's usually around a year or two for a, uh, uh, per song. So now that was I know of three potential candidates. This could be, this could be the original group that you played with that had a guy and a girl in it with you. This no. could be the group that you played a lot of bars and clubs and were very active with for a few years. Is it? Well, no, it wasn't that. And it could be the two guys that worked on the book with you. Or yeah. The... Oh, this book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That book. Um. Uh, yes. Nobody those... can see that on a podcast. So yeah, I was the effect was the Bengals. <laughs> it was not the Bengals. And he also right just took off his janitor's costume to reveal he's wearing a tuxedo underneath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sure did. Um. No, it was uh, it was really it was a great um, recording session, and I, I I'm really digging the song. I'm excited to keep making music with these guys, so it's a lot of fun. It's about um, the worst cat in the world. No, no, it's it's not uh, it's not pet related. Oh, it's I think it's more about ghosts. It would be kind of awesome if you made the antithesis of the book you did, and it was called like the worst effing cat in the world, and it was all about <laughs> hatred. <laughs> That's a good. That's yeah. a thought. Yeah, it, yeah, we didn't, we didn't do that. But um, you've been coming up big with uh, titles for books tonight, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what I, that's what I do. If that if there was a way you could make a living off that, yeah, you you would be good at branding uh, branding stuff that people read or write. Um, that'd be great. Uh, anyway, that's the other bit is that uh, I got a I got a proof of the the book finally, and after a couple little edits, I think we're gonna release it to the wild and see if it uh, does anything. Okay. Let me know of... if you need a forward for that. <laughs> couple of things. Uh, what edits are we talking? Are we just talking about like little typos and, and settings and things like that? Just like shifting things around a little bit. Um, really uh, every, like all the words are where they need to be. It's uh, the pages. There were a couple of extra pages at the end of the book. And if we could use one of those pages as a title page and then have the, gotcha. have the actual story start on the next page. That's all that it's going to take. And so. then when you say you're going to release it to the wild, will this, I assume this will be available, uh, available. Stop the show. I said available wrong. No, I assume this, <laughs> <Please> <laughs> <do>. <laughs> I, 
I assume this will be available on Amazon and everywhere fine books are sold about dogs. Yeah. If you like it, you can click on it and then they will print one up and then they'll send it to your house. Gotcha. Okay. Then you can, you can tell me you read it, but you're probably not going to read yeah, it. It's not happening. 32 pages of lightning. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Steve, anything else from you? I shouldn't cut you no, off if you're. No, no. We, we, we have like the biggest main topic to get to. And I mean, we have a long ways to go. I we do. We're gonna, so, we're Tracy, hold the headlines. We'll get to them right after the commercial break. And we will be right back on the Dave and Steve show. It was a bright summer day. And I was enjoying my two favorite things, dogs and cupcakes. And that's what it hit me. A million dollar idea. Hi everyone, my name is John Tortello, owner and operator of John Tortello's world famous Deffa Cakes. As I sat in the warm sun watching my dog play with the other dogs at the dog park, I noticed a pile of excrement on the ground next to me. I took a bite of my chocolate cupcake just as the aroma of that poo hit my nose and bam, the idea hit me square in the face. Little dog crap shaped cupcakes, brilliant ain't it? We got everything from our indulgent bull mastiff monster cakes to our dachshund mini bites for those of you watching your waistlines. And whatever your preference, I guarantee you've never had more delicious poop-shaped pastries. And you can take that straight from me, John Tortello. And don't forget about our Build Your Own Toppings Bar, where you can drizzle warm fudge on the defecake of your choice, sprinkle some nuts on top, and maybe finish it off with a piece of candy corn or two. At John Tortello's world-famous defecakes, we ain't here to tell you how to do your business. So come on down to John Tortello's world-famous defecakes on the north side of Southampton in the East Town Shopping Mall near the Western Clothing Store. You'll know you're getting close by the aroma and by me, John Tortello, waving you in with a smile on my face and chocolate on my fingers. When you want a treat that looks like poop, then you gotta listen closely because here's the scoop. Just grab your hat and jacket and head on down because John Tortello's got the best crap in town. As a small boy, my father introduced me to the legendary Buddy Rich. I remember he shook my hand and asked me how old I was. I don't remember what I told him because I wasn't nearly as impressed with him as my father was because I was only a small boy. My dad was a jazz drummer early in his life and was friends to many musicians. One thing my dad told me was, No, I can't do this. I can't stop thinking about the stupid dishwasher. Every morning we go through the same banana as we did the day before. Is it clean? Is it dirty? The absolute endless Japanese is making me go nuts. So help me, I'm going to throw that into the street. This has been Tracy's I Had a Brush with Jazz Greatness Minute. For those of you listening at home, you can't see it, but I was treated to that minute while also watching Tracy on the camera air drum in a cowboy hat. 
So that was my visual <laughs> that I got to see through through all of that. Steve, you're the drummer was, of the crew. I was using match grip. That that was that was some of the best use of drum work I've I've heard. How about you? That was that was um, masterful use of a press roll in place of profanity. There's I also, thought that was, that made me giggle harder than I've laughed in a while. There's also a so. weird uh, rubbing that Steve's doing just off camera that I'm not sure what is happening, but I can just see your shoulder going up and down, and I don't know. Yeah. Tell you me that's like, like your foot. I'm, it is. It's my foot. Okay. Just scratch my foot. <clears throat> uh, well, how is that embarrassing? So, <laughs> so you guys tell me this. Either of you, Steve, I'm sure, like me, you can appreciate jazz music because they are, without a doubt, undeniably fantastic, world-class musicians. I cannot get into jazz music. I have tried so many times, and I just can't. Okay. I, so this is what I tell my kid. Um, Shut up and it, listen to my it, jazz records. <laughs> no, no, it's not that. It's um, So I can't listen to – there's a lot of new rappers out. I can listen to old rappers. I understand it. I get it. I understand you know how they make it. But there's a lot of new rappers that have come around in the last few years – that I kind of refer to as like mumble rap. Like it's very, it's, there's not a lot of inflection. There's not a lot of energy to it. It's just, it's, it's a, it hits a weird, I don't know. It's, just, it's, it's, I, the, it's the doom metal of uh, rap. I understand. Yeah, and, and I don't, I, and I don't really care for it, but um, my son was getting a little worried. He's like, Oh, so yeah, dad doesn't like that. I'm like, no, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean it isn't good. All right. Like I understand that it's good because it speaks to you and it's all that stuff, but I don't get it. So don't think that I am the gold standard of understanding music theory or anything like that. I just don't get it. And that it's one thing to appreciate it, but to not get it is a totally different thing. There's jazz that I, I don't like somebody said, Oh, you have to listen to Tony Williams lifetime. It's, if you're a drummer, it's going to totally speak to you. Didn't speak to me for a long time. I, and I wanted to get into it. For the longest time, Frank Zappa, I totally couldn't. I had no idea. It was yeah. it was like just like way too weird for me. And then uh, for some reason, I just got it. I understood it. And then, then I couldn't stop listening to it and really enjoyed it. But there's music that I don't get either, Dave. I totally understand. And jazz is not accessible. It's very, a lot of it is very much for the player. And then, you know, as a jazz listener, you're fantasizing that you're the player. Like, oh yeah, yeah, right. I, I, I understand what they're doing there. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, it's a thing, but um, it, it is a I, thing. I'm very, uh, I'm very much more a meat and potatoes guy. I like a good pop song. I like a good, you know, blues song or rock song, but um but yeah, there there are certain things that I that just don't speak to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for taking us down that rabbit hole, Tracy. You ready for headlines? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. <laughs> and now, straight from the Dave and Steve Show news desk in beautiful Anytown, USA Plaza, it's Tracy Green with this week's headlines. A hotel in Thailand 
will go into mediation with an American guest who faces up to five years in jail after it filed a criminal complaint against him over negative online reviews. So he was, I want to make sure I get this straight. He was staying at the hotel, wrote the review while he was at the hotel, and now they're threatening him at the hotel. That's precisely true. Okay. The case involving the Seeking Ko Chang Hotel and an American teacher, Wesley Barnes, has drawn new scrutiny to Thailand's criminal defamation and computer crime laws, which rights activists say are far too harsh. What was the name of that hotel again? Seaview <laughs> Ko Chang could you, could you spell it? I'm just kidding. I just go ahead. I'm sorry. It's a coat hanger hotel. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, it seems like the hotel is ready to settle, Barnes said in a message uh, to reporters. He says, I will meet with them next week to hopefully end this case once and for all. It would be great to have uh, this behind both of us. Steve, you know who supplies all the drinks at that hotel? And Hauser Bush. And Hauser <laughs> That's that's funny. I like it when you say something funny and then for some reason I feel like I need to say it out loud. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what that is, but I do it all the time. Yeah. I do it to movies. I do it. To, so sorry about that. It's annoying. Uh, no, it's lovely. Proceed. <laughs> uh, when asked uh, about the criticisms coming from the likes of Amnesty International, the prime minister of Thailand gave the human rights organization two stars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it would be pretty awesome if the if the review that he wrote at the hotel was that he was seeing too many guests at the hotel be physically punished for writing bad reviews at the hotel. You know, and you bring up a good point. Like when you read reviews, it's typically you will read a five star review. You might read a four star review and you'll read a one star review. Rarely do you read. I mean, how conflicted yeah. is the writer of a two star review? Right. Like you, you yeah. gotta be like, uh, but I'll give them, I'll give them one more. So the, the criteria on that has to be the yeah. most scrutinized thing that, yeah. Anyway, yeah. you know, Sorry. one of the, one of the things that I do oftentimes to get upgrades for things online <laughs> is I look to see the, the crummiest review. And then I, I leave a really good one after there. Right behind it. <laughs> yeah. Right behind it. And, you, and you'd be amazed at, at just, just, just experience, just making a good experience for everybody, clearing out that negative, that negative energy. Our second story with incense smoke, flowers and photos of President Donald Trump and Democratic rival Joe Biden. Peruvian shamans performed an ancestral, ancestral. Stop sorry. the show. <laughs> Stop the show. Stop the show. <laughs> what? Because I said ancestral, but my brain was like. Did you say ancestral? Did you and say I like, ancestral? And I was saying back to my brain, I'm like, I don't know. You did say Anheuser-Busch. <laughs> and that so anyway. time he said it right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, uh, well, that, yeah, I've been practicing that. I was like, as really I went over good. that, I don't know. So, that flashcards. Anyway. so anyway, back to your ancestral. Anyway, they're back to their ancestral ritual on Wednesday for the elections uh, that will, that there will be little agreement about who will win on the November 3rd ballot, chanting and blowing a traditional Andean shelled instrument. The shamans dressed in multicolored garb invoked the Pachamama or Mother Earth for the U.S. to vote to take place in peace without attacks or any witchcraft between the rivals. Hmm. 
no witchcraft this time, huh? Yes. Nice. Hey, what do you think that uh, that shelled instrument sounds like? Because I'm thinking of it as a like something like that. It's probably exactly what it is. Yeah. That's. I bet that's exactly what it is. I thought it probably sounded like a vibraphone player. I heard at Chili's once. Shooting his mouth off about the vibes. Listen, I got to tell you, (laughs) you're right. I got to tell you the, I will take, you give me any shaman, you give me any high priest, you give me anything right now to give us any kind of good vibes and send any kind of good will our way for what, what shit show is about to take place in this nation. I'm all for it at this point. Send me anything you got because we need it all right now. Yeah, and it's true. And uh, so in response to the shaman's plea, uh, the Pachamama responded by giving the U.S. elections one star. Oh. (laughs) That's a shame. Yeah, It's not conflicted about that. Story (laughs) number three. Rudolph and Santa puppets from the holiday classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer will go up for auction in November, says the auction house profiles in history announced Thursday. Okay. First of all, I think Steve would would covet one of these greatly. I, I could see you having one of these and having it displayed prominently in your house. Am I wrong on that or am I right? I have um, Heat Miser and Snow Miser from A Year Without a Santa Claus. Okay. <laughs> ready ready to rock this next Christmas season. Second, and I, and I, will not, uh, I will not apologize for it. Number two, I want to ask this question of you, and maybe Tracy Story has this. Does Rudolph go for more or does Santa go for more in the auction? Okay, this is one of the parts I might have to tighten up and edit. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the main thing saying- about collecting memorabilia is that when your eyes focused upon the object, you are taken back to a time during your youth when your senses were overwhelmed with amazement, wonder, and joy as you were watching a favorite movie or telegram, the auction house said in a statement, Steve. What do you think? Rudolph. Rudolph's going to go for more. Um, Santa figurines are a dime a dozen, but that special Rankin Bass, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, is going to go for top dollar. So it is true. So the auction house said that Sam the Snowman, who is voiced by the legendary Burl Ives, is expected to be among the top dollar items, while the jerk Santa Claus is expected to get as much as $15. <laughs> Who shows up with his with his uh, sexist proclamation that, oh, that's man's work. Yeah. That's, yeah, that, uh, yeah. He was a terrible Santa Claus. He was, uh, he was, you know, he was awful. Yeah, he really, yeah, he was, he, he, he had a lot of growing up to do. I, for one, didn't notice because I couldn't see the TV through the haze of smoke in the house that I lived in with my two parents who were chain smoking in the 80s while that was being played. (laughs) Our fourth story, a 2,350-pound pumpkin called the Tiger King has been named the winning pumpkin in a competition in Minnesota. Okay, so... uh, Shitty naming aside as far as like that's almost as bad as naming a basketball team the Raptors because there was a popular dinosaur movie at the time. Do you think this pumpkin if you're growing a pumpkin, do you here's what I'm trying to ask for all you (laughs) pumpkin for all you pumpkin growers out there? 
do you name the pumpkin the moment it forms and is still small and you don't know how big it's going to get? Or do you wait until you have the one prize pumpkin that you're going to take to the fair and you only name that pumpkin? Does every pumpkin in your patch have a name or is it just the big mammy jammy? I, I'm willing to name every pumpkin, but they're going to have to grow into their name. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to name them straight off the flower. This has to, they're going to have to earn it somehow. Second yeah. question. Has anybody yeah. ever, do you think any prize winning pumpkin has ever been named Danny Bonaducci? Cause that's what I want to name my prize winning pumpkin. And I would hate to think someone else had already taken it. That is do? brilliant. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I, I would try to use some kind of pun with Danny Bonarducci if there's a way to like do some kind of gourd or pumpkin pun <laughs> with that. Yeah. They have to work on that. All right. So Travis uh, Ganger of Minnesota, who grew the pumpkin, uh, told reporters he felt honored to win uh, after uh, decided to enter the contest, which was uh, held in Northern California, since it's known as the Super Bowl of Pumpkins. Duh. Yeah. Okay, that means that this tooth is it two thousand pound pumpkin? Is what you yeah, said? Twenty twenty three hundred and fifty pounds. Twenty three hundred and fifty pounds. They have to get it from Minnesota to California in COVID conditions. So <laughs> hang on, I smell Smokey and the Bandit four. <laughs> this yeah. Is, yeah, exactly. There's a pumpkin <laughs> show in Cali. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to write that tune now. I'm totally gonna have to write um, "Southbound and Down." Um, fantastic. So, how do you get a 2,300 pound pumpkin from point A to point B? Um, I'm thinking the safest way would be like rail system or like long haul. Like you'd have to call like a an independent trucker, and you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Yep. You'd have to get BJ and the bear. You would, yes. If you can trust an ape around pumpkins, that's, that's I don't a know. good point. They seem to yeah, be natural, pretty... natural enemies. So Geiger added that he named the winning pumpkin uh, pumpkin after the Netflix series Tiger King because he noticed that it might have striped coloring. So it was kind of funny, he said, deciding the name for this little little pumpkin at the time to answer your question dave he said i noticed that it might be orange and white stripes and my brother goes oh it's 2020 we should name him tiger king and i thought that was great <laughs> like sorry that was just, that was minnesota yeah, yeah. that was like alabama minnesota <laughs> I was like oh don't you know uh <laughs> so my brother comes in and he says hey you know what you should name that it's 2020 you should name it the tiger king <laughs> That was that started to get that started to get a little bit uh, French Canadian there, didn't it? It did. Yeah, it was, it was you you had kind of gone over maybe it into went Hamilton, just a Ontario. Yeah, a little yeah. a little bruise brothers there. Yeah. yeah, it was that was too much. Sorry about that. That's okay. Anyway, the Tiger King set all records for the heaviest grown pumpkin in North America this year, according to contest officials. I don't I I don't understand the whole giant pumpkin thing. I, and I, listen, there's as we've already established with jazz music and a few other things, there's a lot of stuff I don't understand or appreciate. I don't, I don't get the growing the giant. And I'll, I'll tell you why, because <clears throat> so you make the best chili. That's fantastic. Chili's easy to, to move around, to transport, to do whatever you need to do. 
The yeah. end game of growing a giant pumpkin is, as Steve said, you got to figure out how to get the giant pumpkin anywhere to where people can see the giant pumpkin. And then nothing you can really do with a pumpkin. You win the contest. You get a ribbon. The chili, you get to eat it, whatever it is. But with a pumpkin, it just then it just sort of rots. Like I know they'll do the thing of like, well, we made 10,000 pumpkin pies and fed the homeless people with them. It, bullshit. It it just rocks. No, it, that's not a that's not good pie making pumpkin. Right. And I'll tell you, when you take a twenty three hundred pound pumpkin from Minnesota, transport it down to California, <laughs> and then yeah. it like comes in third place. Yeah. You are not bringing that back. Yeah. You're not yeah. paying the cartage to get that back. Yeah. But even worse, if you get first place, the euphoria of feeling like this is a pumpkin, I got I got to take this back with me. So you take it back with you, but it's probably rotten by the time you get right? it back. So you right. totally pay for this thing. is this is one of those things I don't I don't get. But more power to you. Sorry, Tracy, you were gonna say your your joke at the end there. I I don't have a joke. Oh, okay. A, All right. the, the story kind of covered that <laughs> for me anyway. That's the news, fellas. All right. No main topic tonight. We're already woefully over time we're at about an hour and 15 minutes right now hour and 12 minutes something like that so we're gonna wrap things up steve you seem like you have something on your mind no i just i i i'm reflecting on this this episode and i'm thinking wow we covered a lot of ground like like i i really think we did some good today fellas no we were all over <laughs> the road but yeah so <laughs> next week buckle up because i want to talk i want to talk scary movies where we'll be so very close to halloween at that point that i want to make sure that we cover Scary movies, and I'm specifically looking for scary movies that scarred you in your youth. Uh, Great. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit. If you're listening at home and you have a scary movie that scarred you as a kid or even as an adult, uh, you can email us at thedaveandsteveshow at gmail and we will read it on the air next week. Otherwise, uh, everybody get ready because we're gonna talk scary stories next week. We'll see how that goes. Oh. Steve will have the flashlight under his chin. Uh, mm-hmm. In his tuxedo. My uh, double chin. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Tracy, how about you? Anything else before we wrap up? No, I don't. No, you don't. All right. For Steve, for Tracy, for me, Dave, we'll talk to you all next time right here on The Dave and Steve Show. 